often have known, but perhaps have kind of forgot. So we pray that you would speak now in a way that brings honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What are your favorite sounds when it comes to Christmas? You might want to close your eyes, because I'm going to describe some of them. Close your eyes and try to imagine some of these sounds. I wonder if a favorite sound would be the sound of the blades of skates on the ice as you're going around the rink. Maybe it's the sound of the rumblings of a Christmas gift bag as you carefully put the gift into the bag. Or maybe better, taking the gift out. Maybe it's brushing up against the ornaments hanging on the tree and that little sound that they make. Maybe it's the sound, that kind of particular sound that an oven door makes as it swings open as the sheet of Christmas cookies go in to be baked. And better yet, when the timer goes off 20 minutes later. Maybe it's the sound of untangling the Christmas lights. Maybe it's the sound of the kettle boiling on the stove as you get ready to make the apple cider. And an oldie but a goodie, maybe the sound of shaking a present, trying to figure out what's inside. What are some of your favorite Christmas sounds? As Debbie said earlier, this is all part of a series of five messages that conclude on Christmas Eve on the five senses. And we're looking at the hope of Christmas and the Christmas story through the lenses of the five senses. And we've looked at taste, touch, and smell. And we looked, first of all, at the story of Mary when we talked about taste and we oriented that around communion. And then we talked about the story of Elizabeth. Last week, we talked about the smells of the birthplace of Jesus. What were the actual smells like of the first Christmas? And how those smells communicated his humility, his approachability, his love for us. And today, we're going to talk about the sound of hope. And as I mentioned just a couple moments ago, we've talked about perhaps some of your favorite sounds but what I want to do now is I want to read a very familiar, to some of us at least, very familiar passage of Scripture. But I'm going to invite you to, to listen to this passage of Scripture in a different way. I want you to pay attention to the sounds that are echoing off the page of this story. In a certain sense, I want you to put a hearing aid on and take note of the sounds, because there's many sounds in this passage. And so if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 1 to 20 of Luke chapter 2, listening for the sounds. Luke's the third book in the New Testament. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. 
So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to, the, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left him and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they were told. So there's quite a few sounds that we could talk about from this passage. Let me pick a few of them and uh, talk about them. And the first one that I would just mention is the sound of activity. The sound of activity. As I mentioned last week, the writer of the book of Luke was Dr. Luke, a medical doctor and a historian. And so he goes to great pains to set the context in history of when this is taking place. And he says, these are the politicians that were in place, the governor, the Caesar at that time. And the Caesar goes about enacting governmental policy. And he says, we want to make sure that the taxes... All the taxes that we can garner are coming in, and we want to have a list so we know who to call up for military duty. And so everyone is required to return to the place of their birth to register. Go back to the place where you were born. Now, not many people moved in those days like they do nowadays. Go back to the place where you were born if you've moved, the place where you grew up. Have you ever been to a reunion? I've been to quite a few reunions over the years. Uh, one of the more recent ones was about 18 months ago, and it was a reunion that ironically took place in Calgary because it was a reunion of people that had grown up together in Regina. And it was people that I grew up through high school with who went to the same youth group in the church that we were part of in Regina. And it was so much fun as we sat in Michelle's backyard in the south part of Calgary, and we reminisced, and we talked, 
and we were reminded of growing up in Regina and the fun that we had had together, and we told stories about one another and shared memories. We remembered the tragedy that struck our youth group when I was 16 years old, and we cried together, and I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Everybody had to go back to their hometown. And so people were coming from all kinds of different places to Bethlehem. And I want you to imagine with me what that was probably like as they converged on the town and the community so that they could be registered for the tax audit. It probably would have been for a sleepy little town and Bethlehem is still a bit of a sleepy little town. And it was very small when this book was written. I would imagine because of everybody coming together, it was a busy place, busy for them at least. It would have been noisy. People would have been hugging. They would have been saying, hey, you still owe me those 20 shekels from back in the day, remember? They would have been talking about what their trip was like, you know, how arduous it was because not many people traveled in those days because it was dangerous and very expensive. They would have been complaining about the taxes they were going to have to pay. Pay. Those Romans, I can't stand them. I want you to imagine with me what that would have been like. And then, in your Christmas season, what will it sound like around your place? Will it be noisy? Will it be quiet? Will it be, you know, really frenetic? Will it be subdued? It's totally appropriate to have fun and to eat good food and whatever it is you do, watch hockey or play games or do puzzles or whatever it is you do. But in the middle of all those sounds and all that activity, don't miss the sound of what's most important. It's very easy not to hear what's most important. And we like to have noise. We're always playing with our phones. We've always got music on or TV or the internet or whatever. It's very easy to miss the sounds of that which is most important. And the interesting thing in this story is most everybody in Bethlehem, except the shepherds, missed the sound of the most important birth the world has ever known. The sound of activity. The second sound, you need to listen very, very carefully to hear the second sound. So here comes the second sound. The second sound is the sound of silence. And as I said, everybody was really busy. Well, the Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Son of God arrived. And there was so much stuff going on, they didn't hear him come at all. But in the silence, of the fields just outside of Bethlehem. 
and in the stable. In the silence of those places, they heard him come. It says in verse 8 that the shepherds were living out in the fields, looking after their sheep. It's kind of cold there at night. You can see the stars, they're very majestic. And they were watching their flock, making sure no wild beasts came and stole a flock, part of their flock, or they would have wandered off because sheep aren't too bright. It's cold and it's quiet. And they were the first ones to hear the message. And when they heard the message, as soon as the angels departed, they hurried into town to worship Messiah, the God they'd all been told to expect, the God who came down. Not a distant God. A God became close. And in the stable, or some people call it the manger, there was Mary, And it's interesting to me that as you read these 20 verses, nowhere in the 20 verses is there any record of her saying anything, of her making any noise per se. And instead we read in verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She was quiet. So what does it mean to treasure something. Let me take a stab at it. I would suggest it means to take the time and effort to actually roll it over in your mind over and over and over again in an undistracted way. To pray about it from every conceivable angle when you treasure something and you ponder it, to weigh it, to ask every question you can think of, of this thing that's important to you, to try and grasp the significance of this thing, to say, God, help me to plumb the depths of this because it's important. And at the end of the day, you may not totally understand it, but you know at the end of the day that it matters. And in this particular case of Luke chapter 2, It mattered more than anything else. Do you ever take the time to listen at Christmas? To be silent? And I mean really silent. To treasure and ponder the fact that God came down for you. The third The third sound is the sound of joy. And like Debbie said earlier, it's an exuberant sound. So let me read a few verses, 13 and 14, and a couple of other ones. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor Rests. And then down to verse 16. And so after the angels left, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so the shepherds 
hear the joy of the angels. They then went and shared with others in a way that they could hear the good news of the coming of Jesus, that God has come down. And they went out and spread the news, and they worshiped the fact that they had been the first ones to see the gift of Messiah. Jesus came down, and Christmas should be a time of celebrating that, that God came down for you, that he humbled himself for you, like we talked about last week, that he came on mission for you. It says in the book of Matthew chapter 1, in verse 21, that the heart of why he came is that he might save his people from their sins, that he might save Scott from his sins, that he might save you from your sins. And so Christmas is a lot of things, but in a primary sense, it should be a time to talk about him so other people hear it, to worship him so God sees it and hears it, to celebrate him for all that he's done for you. The sound of joy is the sound of Christmas. And the last one is the, the sound of crying. I could pick a lot of other sounds out of this passage, but let me end with the sound of crying. I'm one of those people that uh, has been blessed to be entrusted with children. And uh, I was able to be there when both of my kids, Aaron and Sean, were born. And they're, they're grown now. But I remember those days very vividly in Regina, uh, in the same hospital that I was actually born in. And ironically, the nurse that delivered me delivered my daughter, and she was retiring that year, Miss Wong. I'll never forget. Doctor said to me, Miss Wong has more experience delivering babies than all the, hosp- all the doctors in this hospital put together. And I remember when Aaron and Sean were born, and it was a very emotional experience. And I'm guessing now, and the reason I say I'm guessing is because I'm going to step away from the historical record, the factual record of Scripture, and I'm going to guess something. I'm guessing that Mary had some tears of joy when Jesus was born, like Debbie did, like I did when my kids were born. And who knows, and again, this is just a guess, maybe even Joseph had a few tears as well. I think a lot of parents do when that kid is born. Tears of release. Tears of joy. Tears of anticipation. Wow, what now? I'm a parent, what do I do? And then there was another kind of crying. The crying of Jesus. Because he would have cried like any normal baby would and should. Because he was, Scripture tells us, and and early this morning I was reading in John chapter 1, being reminded of how he is fully God and fully man, in a way that I don't fully understand. Fully God and fully man. That as, as a human being, as a tiny baby, he would have shed tears as a baby, And we know if you know the story of Jesus 
at all. You know that later in his life as an adult, he shed tears. In John chapter 11, when his friend Lazarus died, he, he cried. Another time in the gospel accounts, the biographies of his life, he's looking over the city of Jerusalem and prophetically he announces that he knew what was coming in 70 AD, 35, 40 years later, that the Romans would come and attack the city and raise the city to the ground. We're told in that passage that he shed tears at that point as well because he was fully human and is fully human like we are. And then another kind of tears in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 to 18, which is a parallel passage to the Luke 2 passage, we read how Herod, who was the Jewish figurehead king, he was a puppet king put in power by the Roman authorities, and was a deeply evil individual and insanely jealous of people all around him. If he felt threatened in any way by anyone, he had them killed. Had several members of his own family killed. He was deeply jealous of Jesus. And we know that sometime subsequent to the birth of Christ, we don't know exactly when, but it's safe to assume that it was sometime after the birth of Jesus. Herod became aware of Jesus' existence and tried to have him murdered as a little one. And because Herod didn't know for sure which kid Jesus was, and he didn't know for sure exactly how old Jesus was, he spared no effort and he sent his soldiers to the community of Bethlehem and the surrounding area. And he had all the male children murdered in that community, two years of age and under. This is how evil and jealous he was. And so many families suffered and cried at that time. And so there's many different reasons for tears and the sound of tears. And I know that for many people, this time of year for any number of reasons can be very difficult. The memories of the death of a loved one. The death of a dream can bring the sound of tears, of loneliness, of financial stress, of complex, difficult family situations, of expectations that just you have heading into this season that go totally unfulfilled. One of the things I appreciate so much about our church is that many people in our church reach out to hurting people in the Christmas season. And I commend you for that. Man, that's a good thing to do. That's a good thing to be known for. And I invite us to have our ears open to the sound of hurt and in Jesus' name, serve. What?